0: Good afternoon. I have Anika Benaby on the podcast today. She's an executive director at a leading Swiss financial institution. She manages client assets and multi-asset class strategies to help clients meet their investment goals. Anika is also part of the Global Equity Income Team, where she carries out fundamental research analysis on companies. She's an absolutely stellar executive, former president of the CFA Society of the Bahamas, and a member of the CFA Society in the UK. She's been awarded numerous awards for her work and the impact she's had on her clients. She recently gave a TED Talk that I loved a lot, just so you know, Anika, it was amazing, and is also a personal finance enthusiast who's passionate about helping women get to a place of financial independence. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome to OnlyFam, Anika. Thank you so
1: much, Iandra, for having me. Really happy to be here.
0: Yes. And I just was thinking when I thought about the whole mission of like only fams and getting women to this place where they could truly be free, financially free, I was like, I got to get an econ here. I have to get an econ here. You were the first person that I thought about. And I was like, I wonder if I could, I got to make it see if I could make this happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, when I look at you, I see a woman that uh, you're a portfolio manager in your, in your professional life, but you just seem like you have it all together you know, leading organizations, um, you know, climbing the ladder so, so well, you know, your career, your profile just seems to be so perfect. And I look at you and I say you represent or you epitomize success in my view. Um, You know, just for you, I'd I'd love to know your backstory. Has it always been that you knew this was the journey that you were going to take, you know, growing up as a child, what did success look like for you? And And tell me, has that lined up with where you are now?
1: That is, that is a lot. Um, Has it always looked this way? No. (laughs) It's been a process, I have to tell you. But, um, you know, I was always one of those kids who worked hard, right? Um, Who wanted to do well, who was ambitious, uh, who like to study. I'm I'm a self-professed nerd like you, right? <laughs> I've heard you say that before. Yes. Um, Nerds. And so I was always conscious of, of wanting to do well, right? I wasn't the smartest, but I certainly worked very, very hard. And I knew what I wanted. Um, when I was looking at universities in grade 10, right? <laughs> or even grade nine, I decided nice. where I wanted to go. I found out what the requirements were and, and I did the work to get there. Um, so I'm, I'm a planner, I'm a goal setter and, and that has has served me well. Um, when I was looking, um, I, I studied um, economics and French in university and I was in this rush to get back to the Bahamas where I was born and raised. And um, I thought, well, what can I do with this this degree? And I ended up in a French bank, funny enough. <laughs> And um, that's where I really learned about financial markets and private clients and investing. I didn't know what a stock was. I didn't know what a bond was. So this was fascinating to me, right? Um, On top of that, I'd walk into the bank and I'd see people speaking French and Spanish and German. (laughs) So I was able to put my French skills to to use. And, And then the cherry on top of the cake, was that everyone was dressed so well, you know, so that fed my love of fashion, right? Um and, and so when it all came together, I felt like I had found my niche. I felt um at home. And truly, if I think about it, um it wasn't my intention to stay and, and work in, in banking and in in that particular area of finance. Um I had actually gotten two scholarships, full scholarships to study um and do a master's in international trade and finance. And once I started working in that field, I said, you know what, I'm gonna stick with this. So I um I for yeah. I, I forewent the scholarships and did the chartered financial analyst designation instead, and the rest is history.
0: Wow. It, it, you are you're incredible. You're incredible. The fact that you studied French. You know, you had the economics background. I mean, it's like these dots that all came together and you were put in a French bank, you know, in investment management. It it, it just is amazing. I love your profile. And coming from that, that person that started the French bank to now you're an executive director. I mean, tell us just a little bit about how you were able to unlock your passion for all things investment management.
1: Yeah, so like I said, the introduction was really in that that first role, and then you know, the way I thought about it was, well, how do I progress? You know, I'm 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 like that. I'm ambitious, so um, I asked around. Well, what sort of designations um, should I be looking at? And everyone said, oh, do the CFA. Um, but it's really, really hard, you know, no one ever passes it. And so for me, that was like an invitation. <laughs> it's like, no one ever passes it. I'm to be the first person to pass it. Of course I wasn't the first, yes. but I, I like the challenge. And so, um, I took it on, uh, eventually succeeded in passing. And I will say not all on the first try, you know, that, that was a challenge for me. Um, those exams were the first time I probably ever failed, an exam, Um, but resilience, persistence uh, has served me well. So once I completed uh, the CFA exams, I think doors just opened up for me. You know, People in the investment world took me seriously. Uh, There's a level of of competence that um, is recognized globally once you have that designation. Um, And I was able to come to the UK four years ago uh, with, with my present organization. Um, I think I've done well. I've, I've proven myself and I've been rewarded with, with the recent promotion and, and that's, that's just how it It's, it's worked out really well.
0: Yeah. I love that you say you're ambitious. You own it, you know, unapologetically ambitious. You're not worried about what stigma is associated with that word you know, you're ambitious and you, and you went forward to get exactly you what you want You know what's desired. so funny,
1: Iandra? Um, someone actually called me ambitious the other day and then apologized as if it was a bad word. Right? I said, no, don't apologize. I take it as a compliment. So you're right. You know, I, I own that about myself. Um, But I think the key uh to balancing that is, is prioritizing as well what's, important to me so things like my family obviously I'm I'm married um, I have a 4 year old son um I have to balance being ambitious with with the priority that's my family and I'm sure you can relate you know oh. <laughs> it's it's not always easy right
0: how, how are you doing that how how exactly are you doing my that my husband
1: <laughs> has to constantly remind me let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I think with maturity, um, realizing what's what's really important, you know, my career is important to me, but at the end of the day, uh, my family comes first, right? And um, just working out ways that we can support each other to take care of the family, but also pursue our, our careers. Uh, it's a team effort
0: yeah oh i love that remembering what yeah. comes first you know and then deferring from there i actually had um one of the first black combat fighter pilots on yes on a i podcast, saw and she said something that oh look, lieutenant colonel hopper she said something that forever changed the way i viewed it, just life period you're always going to have urgent things yeah. at work you know but you have to realize urgent is not important it doesn't always translate yeah, to importance if so you remember what's important your family Important comes first, urgent comes second. So, so that, that's so interesting that you said, prioritize family and, and you're in a space. I mean, I don't know a lot of female portfolio managers. I, I, I haven't, I haven't met them. (laughs) So that, that's why I'm like, Anika is just, you know, everything because you truly symbolize something that is unique for, for this industry. Asset management is a heavily male dominated industry. So how is it for you uh, being one of the few, but also why do you think women are still underrepresented in the space? So the,
1: I'll take the first part of the question. Um, I'm you know, currently in London and there's a statistic that I hear a lot that we have a portfolio manager population of 1%. That's black portfolio managers, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, not a lot. And then when you talk about female and Black, (laughs) even fewer. Um, So for me, it's a very privileged position to be in. Um, It's an opportunity to really demonstrate what I'm capable of, um, but also to advocate for better representation. I'm, I'm perfectly placed to do that. And I certainly do use my platform in, in London to do that. The second part of the question, why are women so up, underrepresented? I, you know, there's a myriad of reasons for that. I think at the entry level, you know, there's a problem with representation. We, we just talked about there being so few uh, female And so few Black female portfolio managers. Well, for someone looking on the outside, looking in, not seeing someone who looks like themselves, why would they feel welcome? Why would they feel like this is a place that they can thrive, right? Um, So there's the representation issue of, you know, if I can't see it, then I can't be it. But I think there's a lot being done in the industry to change that. So for example, you have companies who are insisting that their recruiters um, bring them equal parts uh, female resumes and male resumes. So there there are things like that going on for sure. But once women enter the industry, it becomes tricky. Um, There are still some challenges that exist. So for example, a lot of women claim that, you know, they don't feel there's a lot of inclusivity um, and that's a cultural issue. So let's say you have a company that values, you know, getting in at 6 a.m. and leaving at 8 p.m. Well, that's not really conducive to a woman doing well, right? Because by societal standards, we're expected to be the caregivers uh, to young children, but also, you know, elderly parents, for example. So it's just not an environment where where we can thrive. Um, so there are some cultural things right. that, that need to change. And then when I think about promotion processes and um, pay rises, things like that, those processes need to be more transparent. A lot of the times you see um two people starting in an organization at the same time a man and a woman and the man is able to fly up the corporate ladder but we wonder well what happens to to the woman and you know sometimes women get saddled with these um tasks I call them non-promotable tasks Things like planning events. Yes. And this happened to me earlier on in my career, you know, I'm studying for the CFA, but I'm, I'm planning events. And mind you, yes. don't mind doing it, but at the same time, give me an opportunity to show that I'm a leader, right? Give me visibility um, in things that are going to get me promoted and get me pay raises. So I think women have to be careful not to take on um, those kinds of roles as well. Um, so that they're able to, to progress. And then the final thing I'll mention is mentorship and sponsorship is, is just so important to, to progression. Um, just to remind you, a mentor, I think when I think of a mentor, I think of someone who guides you in your career, who encourages, encourages you to take on you know those stretch assignments, things that are going to get you that visibility and who tells you, hey, you know, you didn't do that well, you need to work on that. Whereas a sponsor is someone who known or unbeknownst to you is going to mention your name in a room full of opportunities, and you may not be present. And and these two things are critical, I think, for career progression. So if a woman isn't getting that, right? I, I can see how she can be frustrated and, and end up leaving because again, that leads to promotion and progression in the organization. So, so many reasons why women are, are underrepresented, but I will say, you know, I'd encourage any woman who is interested in asset management or wealth management, um, we're happy to have you. It, it, it's a challenge but at the same time, it can be so rewarding and so exciting as well.
0: Oh, my God. There was so much to unpack. <laughs> you said so many amazing things just now. Uh, the first part on inclusion, you know, we're, we're so big on diversity, getting people in the organization, but not putting in place what's required to make sure that those yes. people feel accepted or feel like they can actually, you know, thrive, not survive in it. Uh, you talked a lot about just, you know, being focused on, you know, moving up the ladder in the sense that think about what you're doing, the the tasks that you're doing, right, doing things that actually going to get you to where you want to go. So and and those are business development things. Those are client related tasks that you have to do, you know, in order to be able to sort of push yourself forward. And the last item, which is so critical, mentorship and sponsorship, Uh, you can't go at it alone. So I I love that. And I'm going to keep keep those things in mind. Uh, That was amazing. Uh, Coming off the heels of the pandemic, and I think this is one of the reasons why I even started the podcast, was I wanted to help women get to a place of financial independence. During the pandemic, I I saw stories on, on my social media timelines with women who you could see because of their dependency on other people that it was really difficult for them to put themselves in a position where they could get through this rainy day or this bumpy road. And so I'm just thinking with everything that's going on in the markets now, just the, the craziness of it all. Uh, you're 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 the portfolio manager here. You're the perfect person to access. Uh, how can women just begin to lay some sort of groundwork into having a healthy financial life? What 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 steps should women? Yeah, lay?
1: the markets are are wild um, right now. I have to say. I've learned so much in the last three to four years in my career, more so than the first 10 10 years, we've had a global health pandemic that you've mentioned. Um, You know, markets, equity markets at least, went down 30%. But more importantly, you know, people lost their lives and and every life as we knew it completely changed. Uh And then coming out of that, uh, we had, you know, The vaccines and and people started to go out again and all this pent up demand um, made prices skyrocket, right? Um, Supply chains were broken. All of these things contributed to the high and persistent inflation that we're seeing now and central banks subsequently had to raise interest rates at an unprecedented uh, speed. And magnitude, really, um, how, how quickly they did that. And we're seeing the implications of that. We had three major banks in the U.S. fail in the last couple of days, right? Um, so we're dealing with a lot in markets. But just back to your, your question and and going back to the pandemic, what that taught me was that we live with a lot of excess, right? Right. Um, during the pandemic, you couldn't do certain things. Uh, you you had to cook. <laughs> and if you were lucky enough um, to maintain your job during the pandemic, then you should have been able to save because, you know, you just weren't spending the way you used to. So that's the first kind of takeaway. We got back to the basics. Our lives became so simple and, you know, you got to spend time with your family and then... The second thing was the, is the inflation that we're still dealing with. My hundred pounds, Iandra, does not stretch the yeah. same way it did two years ago. It just doesn't. So we have to cut back. We have to cut back. We're, we're forced to cut back. We're forced to budget. We're forced to compare prices. Um, I'm not going to get the, the expensive butter. I'm going to get the generic butter right? Those are the, the decisions that we're making. <laughs> yeah. So just bringing it back to your your initial question, how can you lay the groundwork? Well, the first thing is cut out the excess, right? Um, simplify your life and prioritize between the things that you need and you want. Cut your expenses. The second thing is you have to have a budget these days. I mean, you, you just have to know what's coming in, what's going out and, and where it's going. And then the third thing I would say is, you know, you want to have a disciplined approach to saving. So when that income comes in, automatically you want to put aside 10, 20% uh, toward an emergency fund. You know, life is just so unpredictable. And once you build up that emergency fund, you can start to think about then investing.
0: Oh, let me tell you, it will rain. <laughs> it will rain. The rainy day yes. always comes. So, so having that emergency fund will make the difference between you being able to transition, you know, just smoothly, or or you're you moving your entire family life, you yeah, know, and down an income level. Or, or, you
1: yeah. know, it's so funny you mentioned the, the rainy day because. Sometimes laying the groundwork, it it feels like two steps forward and one step back, you know, things happen and it really, it takes a lot of patience. I I can tell you last year, um, you know, everything was going so well with my savings and investing plan. And then I had this tax bill out of nowhere. (laughs) What? Um, But, you know. Uh, luckily I was able to take care of it and it's, it's because, you know, I, I would have put money aside consistently, but these things happen.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. So you heard Anika, you have to, to cut the excess, excess, develop a budget, you know, live according to that budget, save, have your emergency fund. And you recommend how, how many months for the emergency fund? I would
1: say three to six months, um, is comfortable three three fine you wanna you know, you know really tally up all of your expenses and and try to get by on that. Um, six months is more conservative so anywhere in that vicinity um, but after that's built up, really start to think about about investing
0: right and and now that you say investing there are a lot of women they're not in the yeah. investing game. You know, they, they don't know what to do or even where to begin. I mean, where, where do they go? You know, it's difficult. I think for women to figure out, okay, I am supposed to be investing, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do here and where to begin. I would say, so what do we say to women? I didn't get the last part. Yeah. So what do we say to women that are like, Oh, I have some money. I, I, you know, in a bank account over here, I have my little, three-month emergency fund. I want to start investing. I just don't know where and yeah. how to
1: begin. Yeah, so the obvious start is to talk to a professional. You want to talk to someone who's experienced, who knows what they're doing, um, and and seek counsel that way. The second thing I'd say is you want to understand what you're investing in. That You know, this is so crucial. Uh, stocks, bonds, these things are fairly easy to understand, but you know, if someone comes to you with a financial product and you don't understand how you're making money, don't touch it. Right. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no get rich quick scheme. Investing is a long-term endeavor um, and you build wealth
0: over time. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't, if you can't explain it, To me, in a way where I can understand it, Anika said, Don't "Nope, nope. <laughs> Do not touch it. Do not." What What about like those big purchases that women want to make? You know, okay, so I'm ready now. I think I got some money saved up. I want to buy a house. Yeah, so
1: big purchases defines by a house. I'm I'm with. <laughs> and and the reason I say that is because you know you can look at big purchases two ways. So. There are big purchases that are things like, you know, a designer bag or uh, designer shoes or some jewelry. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I would say, you know, if that's a big purchase for you, maybe sit on it for 30 days. Um, And if you come back and you still feel similarly, then go for it, provided it's something you can comfortably afford. When we're talking about a house, right, or property. The first thing I would say is you want to do your research, right? You want to again consult a professional, someone who's experienced in in dealing with these things to find out what it is that you're going to need. You need a down payment. Most people don't have enough cash to outright purchase a, a house. If you do, kudos. <laughs> but, you know, you need a you need a down payment. You need Um, insurances, uh, you need a lawyer, there are banking fees, you want to make sure that you have that cash set aside um, to be able to even approach, you know, a bank for a mortgage. I would say the second thing is to think about how this purchase is going to affect your life going forward. So can you afford the mortgage payments comfortably? Uh, There are maintenance fees associated with owning a home. Or an investment property, for example. Uh, Again, insurance costs, and then the second derivative of that is, you know, if something were to go wrong, right? God forbid you you lose your income somehow. Are you still going to be able to afford um, this purchase? So you want to think about the worst case scenario as well. Now. You know, if you have all your ducks in a row lined up, I would absolutely say to to go for it. I'm all for, you know, investments, whether that be property, um, an investment, uh, an investment or an income generating property, a home or financial instruments. I think it's important to to have assets.
0: Oh. I've asked, it's not, not the Christian Dior bag. <laughs>
1: if you can afford
0: it. I, I've been looking at this Christian Dior bag for months now and I'm like, oh, really? Well,
1: if you've been looking at it for months and yeah. you haven't bought it yet,
0: <laughs> let it go. <laughs> let it go. You know, I, and, I, and I love that because a lot of people, they look at a house and they're like, oh, I just want to be in a nice house and in a big neighborhood, but they don't realize just how much that's going to cost them. You know, they don't think about all the things that you mentioned, insurance, maintenance, additional things, and just being ready for a purchase like that, you know, and, and I can tell you, don't, don't cut it so close where, you know, you're taking out a mortgage that is so much of your income that you can't even afford to live. I mean, what, what do you recommend in terms of like the amount of mortgage that's paid monthly, what percentage of your monthly income would you recommend that? Yeah,
1: you know, it's tough to say. Um, because the mortgage isn't the only you know bill that one pays, right every month. I would yeah. say comfortably, maybe 20, 30 percent. Um, I'm not sure if that's even even possible, but you you want to buy what you can reasonably afford and then you have to take into account all of the other responsibilities that you have, right? um so it really it depends on on the person and and their responsibilities and i would say you know the less consumer debt that you have so credit card debt and car loans and vacation loans things like that um the more you can you can afford to take on you know debt for the purpose of investments so you want to think about that too reducing the amount of consumer debt that you have.
0: Okay. And I, I just was thinking about um, married women. And you know, I don't know, this, this, was, this was just on my, when, when you said that, you know, I, when you're in a marriage and you go into buying a house together, you're, you're taking both yeah. of your incomes, you know? But I've gone through a divorce. And after that divorce, most women are, are left with, okay, we can't afford this house mm. anymore. And I just wonder if, if, if we should be telling women that, listen, you know, if you can't afford the house on your own, you know, then, then it shouldn't be a purchase that you, you should take, you know, how do we better protect women that are going through, and I know you may see this with your clients that are yeah. going through divorces or, you know, debts of spouses to ensure that they can transition well. Yeah, that, that's a, a really good question.
1: You know, the reality of it is, Iandra, after a divorce, um, you have to downsize your life. Right. Um, well, yeah. it, it comes back to priorities. Um, if a marriage doesn't work out and you know, the male is the breadwinner, it may be the case that you have to down downsize your life, but that's not the end of the world. Right. And it, it's where we put our values as well. Um, So yeah, that's what I would say about that, but also in the vein of gaining financial independence, I think women can do things to to put themselves in the best possible position, right? Regardless of what negative thing happens, whether that be divorce or um, losing one's income, whatever it is. So Skill development, personal development, professional development, things like that, things to upskill oneself and, and make oneself more marketable. Um, that's always a good idea, right? Um just to yeah. again put yourself in the best position possible to be able to, to take care of yourself because things happen. Um, financial education. Right? We'd be surprised at how many women um just don't know what they don't know um, so that's why this podcast is is so important this is why i teach financial literacy um because we do need to an extent to be able to defend for ourselves and and that responsibility should not be put off on on anybody else
0: yeah i, I love that you say skills development because a lot of times we tell women okay well you know just save 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 but what about your income? How are you growing your income? You know, so, so look there and, and just, and just thinking about this whole divorce situation, women, when you're in the midst of a situation that is difficult and you feel like you're not good enough, like, how did I even get here? How can women, how can we still see the value in ourselves, even when we're in the midst of a tough financial situation? So I, I'm sure a lot of women that are watching this are, are struggling right now with their value
1: well where is your value in the first place right like what what about yourself do you value um is it your bank account because the first thing i would say is is you shouldn't value yourself based on things as fickle as that so money status uh social media followers these are things that are here one day and gone the next right Um, we all know people who from the outside looking in seem to have it all, um, but are deeply unhappy. So again, I think taking stock of what it is that, that we value is important. When I think about what makes me happy, it's my family, my husband and my son and spending time with them, uh, my parents and my in-laws, you know, it's relationships, Right. Um, and and in the midst of a difficult financial situation these are the people who are going to prop you up so so this is where you want to spend spend your energy uh, a second thing I'll mention and I mentioned this before is is professional development how are you making yourself better and more marketable and how are you going to be able to monetize that? And then the final thing um, is, you know, I feel really good about myself. I feel really valuable and fulfilled when I'm helping other people. So so I'm not looking at my bank account every day. I'm getting out there and seeing, you know, how can I mentor someone even if I don't know this person? How can I teach financial literacy? How can I be a positive change um, or a positive catalyst in the world? And And that's that's why I derive value.
0: Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that so much. I love that so much. Uh look look at the things that matter. And and I just wonder cuz you just seem like you've had it all together. <laughs> you just I you just seem like you've had it all together. So I'm like, have you had any huge challenges, you know, whether it's on your professional journey or in your financial life at all and if so, how, how are you able to overcome Well, that? look no one
1: ever has it all together all the time. So <laughs> there's just, there have certainly been challenges. Um, one thing I can think about and that I talked about in my TED talk actually was fairly recent. So uh, four years ago, um, coming up on four years ago, I moved to the UK, to London for a professional opportunity. And um, I brought my six month old son along with me Uh, so you know i'm a new mom i'm living in a new city with new weather on a new job tough oh yeah tough (sighs) i completely underestimated how tough it would be um mentally tough physically draining you know um and on top of that you know there were people around me you know saying things like she's crazy you know who does that (laughs) So, you know, in in that situation, I found it extremely difficult and it took a lot of just resilience and and perseverance and betting on myself, believing in my capability uh, to overcome that. And and I'm only recently (laughs) seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, we've all settled in nicely and, and my son is doing well. So certainly... I've had challenges along the way. Um, absolutely.
0: Yeah, And and you, I don't know how you did it. I don't know either. I don't think most people would have been able to, <laughs> to do it. But w- was it your ambition? You know, because sometimes I have to lean internally on my own ambition to, to drive me forward. Otherwise, that's the only way I could put one step in front of the other. So what what do you think you leaned on that propelled you to keep going? Even when things were just so hard yeah
1: certainly you know my belief system you know i i believe in god and and there were listen a lot of times where it was a hope and a prayer right? <laughs> it was so so yes. relying on that and just knowing that god would not bring me you know the opportunity the way it came um it was clear that this was purposed for me right so it was understanding that God would not bring me somewhere and then just abandon me or leave me. So it, it was having that fundamental understanding. But then practical things, Ayanda, like asking for help. If someone volunteered to, <laughs> to watch my son or um, to take us out, you know, accepting help. I think the mistake that I made was... I tried to do it all on my own. And as women, we do that, right? We, we try to be superwoman, and it's just so unnecessary. So it was accepting help again. And if I could do it all over again, I probably would have hired help. Um, so it's those practical things. And we've talked about this, right? Making our lives simpler.
0: Yes, yes. You know, finding, I I can tell you, finding ways to alleviate the burden, you know, instead of saying, oh my, you know, for me to hire a babysitter, it's going to cost $50 or for me to hire a living, it's going to cost whatever it's going to cost. Look at it like, okay, what's the opportunity cost if I don't do this? You know, if I free up this time, how much better as a person, as a mom, I can be, you know, that, that, that's interesting. I like that you say that because a lot of times we need to think about what we could be delegating you know what could we be delegating what what would be a better use yeah. of our time you know so so coming home i can tell you i would love to be like the perfect mom and and partner and everything and clean the house and do all of that but i can't i'm sorry you want me to spend quality time with you, do do you? i need to i i may need to delegate some of this cleaning you know over here so i i i you know i i find that it it's first it's 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 hard because you guilt trip mm-hmm. yourself. You're like, well, I, I want to be perfect. I want to do it all. But then once you release it, it's freeing. It's so freeing. So, I, I mean, the time has gone so fast. We could like has. talk all day. But I, I want to play this this game with you that I call Rapid Fire. I had all my podcast interviews with. And Rapid Fire is this this quick just quick digestible ways that women could up-level themselves, you know? So I started OnlyFams really because I wanted women to level up. And so I'm going to say a word and I want you to say, how can a woman level up, improve herself in that area, or maximize space in that area, you know, giving her the, you know, just just this ability to grow and develop as a whole woman. So you ready? Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So the first word is books
1: books, read. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually at the moment reading a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, where she talks about having a growth yes. mindset versus a fixed mindset. Um, and just quickly, a growth mindset is one where you're self-aware and um, you really truly believe in continuous learning and development. And um, if there's something you're not good at, that's not fixed. You can improve that, right? With practice. Whereas a fixed mindset, you know, you think you're born with or endowed with a certain talent and that's it for the rest of your life. Um, So I'm finding that extremely interesting and and I'd encourage all women to read it.
0: I've heard about that book. I have that book somewhere because so many people recommend that book and I, I need to like really get into it. That sounds amazing. The next word is skills. Skills.
1: I would say an underrated skill, whether you're a portfolio manager or just you know a human, is empathy. Um, I'm. I, I consider myself an empath, and it's just so important to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand what they're going through. And I think throughout life, that's really helped me, and certainly in my career. It's helped because I'm dealing with people and their money. It's such an emotive topic. So to be able to empathize with them when markets are going all over the place as they are now is it's just such a useful skill.
0: Oh, I love that. Time. Oh, use it wisely. <laughs>
1: and that's that's all I'll say. These about
0: are that. some tweetables. I can I gotta tweet these out. <laughs> use it wisely tell tell us expound on that
1: yeah i you know time is limited and again this comes with prioritizing and and realizing what what your priorities are and so really for me what's important again is my family um so i prioritize them and i i spend time with them and, and in particular my my husband and my son so You want to identify the things that are important and spend time on those things.
0: Yes. Oh, you are just, I mean, this is a whole, I don't know. This is a lesson. This is a masterclass. This is, (laughs) there are so many things that you've said that I am in my head. Like I need to write this down. I need to write this down. That, that is amazing. Energy,
1: energy, energy. It's similar to time. It's, You know, again, finding the things that you can control and focusing your energy on those things and the things you can't control, you know, it's noise. Let it pass. And and this is something I struggle with. You spend energy worrying about things that you have no control over. Don't do that. Focus your energy on the things that you have control over.
0: Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Ambition. We talked a little bit about ambition. Already. I'm going to steal your
1: phrase. Embrace it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being ambitious, um, but again, know your priorities and and know when to be ambitious and and when to pull back and and strategize. So that's what I would say about ambitious ambition.
0: Be unapologetic about it. Oh, it, it's. Crazy because when I started my career, you know, you would hear, you know, it's kind of how you said the lady apologized to you after she called you ambitious. You would hear, oh, ambition is a bad thing. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be ambitious. Stay yes. humble, be humble. And it took me such a long time to just fully lean into my ambition. I'm so fortunate that I work with a team now. We, we love yeah. ambitious people, you know. So when we interview people, we're like, oh, she's ambitious. That's great. Like we actually want you to seek and go after something you know, that that, that's critical. Uh, and there's ambition, which is healthy. And then I think there is a small part of ambition that can be dangerous, uh, where you just want to make sure that you're not doing anything at what's, what doesn't matter the cost. Uh, you want to know that you have values that are also keeping that ambition in line, but, but it's, it's such a positive thing. And I, I want us to be more unapologetic about it. So embrace ambition, And the last word is money. Money, We all want it. (laughs) You know, a lot of the time
1: we think that money is about how much you make or how much is coming in. But I think it's what you do with what you make that's important. Right. You you know, you can make a lot and spend a lot and net net have nothing at the end of the day. So you want to be responsible with money. Like I said, simplify, uh, live with little you know as little excess as as you can and, and just be responsible about the money you have you want to think about your current self but you also want to think about your future self and secure her right <laughs> make sure she's good. Yeah so that's what I would say about money.
0: Oh I love that. I love that and and the whole reason why you know I really wanted to to bring you together and and have you on the podcast is because oftentimes as women you know we see an incredible woman and we see them doing something in the world that's amazing uh you know and and we admire them from afar but we really don't get to tell them just how inspired we are by them and I'm so totally by inspired by you I really am I've been I've been inspired by you for many many years and I I just I'm going to end with my last question. It's really all about, you know, if we want to be the change that we want to see in the world, what change would you be and how would you embody it? We're embodying it right now
1: with your podcast and your mission. The change I would want to see would be, you know, Black women being represented in a light that is positive and meaningful. Right, we, we, you just said it. You know, we we don't get to see it. We don't see it a lot in the media. Um, we may see specks of it in real life, and I want to change that. So us talking about this right now and seeing each other and commending each other and lifting up each other—that's changing it. Um, there's something I'm working on. I won't mention it uh, just yet, but but it will serve to be that
0: change as well. So watch this space yay I'm excited I can't (laughs) wait to to hear what you're working on I know that it's gonna just be out of this world because everything you do is incredible thank thank you so much Anika for joining the podcast it's been amazing